As we move into our series, Get Over It, we have, over the last few weeks, talked about uh, presence over performance, clarity over confusion, healing over hurt. And so many people came and, and told me that you've needed something from each one of these uh, meetings. But I want you to know today, we're going to be talking about something very important, people over possessions people over possessions. You know, one of my favorite days in school is um, when I was in elementary school was whenever the fire uh, fighters came. Anybody remember that day when the firefighters would come to school and the school would shut down because we weren't going to do school that day. We we're going to do the firefighters day. It was, it was awesome. I mean, they brought, so, they brought all the cool stuff. They'd let you put on the helmet. You got to, you got to hold the water hose. They, some people, they, they, would, they would bring this trailer in that had a little house on it. And you got to climb up. Anybody remember that or is that just me? You got to climb through the little house and then they'd put smoke in there. And then you could figure out how you were going to get out of that house. And, and it was so much fun. I would always go up to the top, uh, the upstairs part, so I could climb out the window. It was always my goal to climb out some window. And now it's always my goal never to have to climb out the window. <laughs> Funny how age changes things, isn't it? But one of, in their presentation, one of the things that really stuck with me is, is a question they asked. They said, if you're in a fire and you could only rush out, what one thing would you take out with you? And whatever that is, you need to put it in the front hall closet right next to that door so that whenever you're leaving, you can grab it and you can run out with it. And so I, I thought about this for a long time as a kid. And it's funny because I, I, I thought maybe baseball cards or video games or, or something that, I, I, that was really important to me at that time. But as I, as I grew up, that, that began to change a little bit. You know, uh, to this day, uh, Claudia and I, we still have memory boxes located in that front hall closet with pictures in it and things from our childhood and everything that, that we can't replace. Uh, love notes, yeah, that's right. <laughs> we got our love notes in there. All these wonderful things that we want to cherish and we want to hold on to because we can't replace those things. But it's funny because very rarely until maybe you, you grow up and you have children do you realize um, that it's really not the things that you can't replace, it's, it's the relationships. But we can kind of get that out of perspective too, because you're never supposed to put your children in the front hall closet. <laughs> Lessons we learn. <laughs> you know, the question then today is, is what, what do we care about the most? You know, my kids didn't, um, well, I didn't have to teach a word to my kids. Uh, the word that I didn't have to teach to them is, is the word mine. Anybody realize that? You, you don't really ever have to teach the principle of what's mine to your kids. As a matter of fact, I, between four kids, so far, three of them have all learned mine on their own. And I'm very certain that my fourth child is going to learn mine real fast whenever one of the big, big brothers or sister is going to try to take something away from him. He's going to realize that that's his and he doesn't want anybody to take it away. And as we kind of grow up and we realize something that 
that the things that we have, we try to identify with, we try to make them ours. And the things that we try to keep cause us to, to have that identity. The stuff in our life has a tendency to try to define us. And many times we believe that, the, that, there's, a lie, that uh, there's a lie from the enemy, that that, that stuff is just stuff that we like, but it doesn't define us. But really and truly, it can possess us. It can grip us. Somehow, those things in our life that we've accumulated become what defines who we are. And that's, that's so dangerous as believers in Christ because, well, there's another game in elementary school that we used to play. It's, it's called show and tell. Anybody ever remember show and tell? And I always enjoyed show and tell because it gave me an opportunity to take something to school that I wanted to show off. I was thinking about the, the big things, the nice things, the things that nobody else had that I could show everybody and everybody would ooh and ah. And, and so I would take these things and and if you really think about it, even though perhaps we don't play the show and tell game at school anymore, so often we realize that we haven't really grown up out of that show and tell mentality. We, we have to admit to ourselves that, that, that we still identify, we still find our value in the things that we have. Until we realize that the things that we have, don't, we don't really have, those things have us. And we don't find our, our value and our identity in the things that we have, but as Christians and as believers in Christ, we find our identity and value in Him. Because He's given us a new name and a new identity. And we're new creations in Christ Jesus. And so as we dive into our message today, I want you to uh, turn in your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 6. And if you'd like to go into the Bible app, you can follow along with our Bible app notes. If you go into our Bible app and you click on the menu button and click on events, as long as you have your location services on, you'll be able to see Christ's legacy. Click on that Christ's legacy and then you can see all of our notes today uh, perfectly. But if you don't follow along in the Bible app, no problem. Uh, you got this thing called a camera on your phone. I want to show you something very important really quickly. You know, as we go to Matthew chapter 6, you realize that Jesus is in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. This, this incredible sermon where Jesus has gathered thousands upon thousands that are sitting across a mountainside. And they're intently listening to him because he was the healer. He is the, he is the preacher. He is the great teacher that's teaching people how to actually live their life. And whenever people hear his truth, it makes sense all of a sudden. And as he goes through this, this Sermon on the Mount, he gets to a place where he begins to talk about money. Now, some scholars would estimate that at least one-third of Jesus' teaching has to do with principles Involving money, and why do we why do we think that Jesus is talking about money so much? Well, it's because when when we use money, it it's a picture, it's an image of the things that we find valuable in our life. 
somebody once said, if you show me your checkbook, I can show you where your heart is. Right? And how many of people still have a checkbook? No? Okay, there's some people in here that have a checkbook. The truth of the matter is, is this, is that Jesus talked about money as a way of talking about materialism, the things that we possess, the things that we find value in. And it's amazing to me that, that he's made the, this statement, he, he made this, or he uh, preached this sermon 2,000 years ago, and 2,000 years later, it seems even more applicable, even, even more true in our hearts and our lives. You know, the Word of God is living and it's able to speak to each and everything that you're going through in your life this morning. I want you to know that Jesus taught so much about money that we can see it reflected all throughout Scripture. Uh, and right now, I want you to put up on the screen uh, some places where you can find what Jesus said about money. And if you've got your cameras, feel free to take a picture of this and do the research later on. It's uh, parables about wealth, a warning against greed, the widow's might, teachings on generosity, uh, the reversal of values where we're going to be looking at today, uh, rich young ruler, caution about coveting, and, and even more. See, the problem is, is that nobody took the time to share with Jesus that teaching on money was kind of unpopular. It, it wasn't a great way to get a crowd. But I'm not sure that Jesus was very interested in trying to get and keep a crowd. I think Jesus was more interested about telling people truth. And, and what I hope and I pray for you today is that, is that you're not offended when you hear the truth that Jesus spoke. What I, what I hope and I pray for you today is that you're challenged to become more and more like Christ and move away more and more away from the things of this world. And as we dive into this passage of scripture in Luke chapter, excuse me, Matthew chapter six, I want to, I want to pause and I want to realize really quickly in Luke chapter 16, that, that God had a very different value system than, than what we have in the world. Luke chapter 16, verse 14 and 15, the Pharisees who dearly loved their money heard all this and scoffed at him. Scoffing is to, is to make fun of or to speak down from a high position. So you have this, these religious leaders and they're looking down on Jesus for what he says. Then he said to them, this is Jesus. You like to appear righteous in public, but God knows your hearts. How many of you know that's true? God knows our hearts. God knows the motivations inside of who we are. Did you know that you may not even be a good judge of what is the motivating factor in your life? Did you know that we have the potential, we have the ability in our lives to lie so much to ourselves that we don't even know what's true and what's false in regards to our hearts any longer. That the heart is deceitful above all things. And so it's so refreshing and it's so wonderful that, to know that our God doesn't buy into the lies that we tell ourselves. See, he says, 
You like to appear righteous in public, but God knows your hearts. What this world honors is detestable in the sight of God. God is not going to adopt our value system. God calls us to adopt his value system. And I'm, I'm so amazed because whenever Jesus talks about money, he doesn't talk about money with unbelievers. He's talking about money with believers and with those that are religious leaders and teachers. These, these things are for you and I. And so when Jesus is speaking about money, when Jesus is speaking about materialism, you and I, we should sit up a little bit. We should lean into it. We should, we should try to know and understand what God has to say for us. See, there's a very different value system. It's, as a matter of fact, precisely opposite. And what we'll find, what we'll discover today is that that money and that materialism affects our hearts. It affects our eyes and it affects our minds. First, it affects money, uh, affects our hearts. Money and the heart. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 19. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store treasures in heaven where moss and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Whatever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. How many of you have ever heard Jesus say that before? How many of you have ever read that passage of scripture before? Amen. We know this in our, in our culture. We know this in our society. We know that we're supposed to store up our treasures. But the problem is that it's hard. It's hard to really think about and actually do. As a matter of fact, the treasure that we have is, is actually our attitude. The problem is actually our attitude towards wealth. And we find out that, that our attitude towards wealth is a barometer for us spiritually. What do I mean by that? It's not wrong to make provisions. It's not wrong to save money. It's not wrong to have nice things. What's the problem with it is to have an attitude of it where we begin to make sacrifices in order to gain more of it, where we allow it to replace the emphasis and the focus of Christ. And we, we shift our emphasis of focus to the things of this world. We begin to think that money equals blessing and approval by God. But how many of you know that money and things and stuff and material possessions don't actually all the time equal blessing by God. How many of you know that you can drown in stuff? You can. It's kind of like seeing this, driving down the street and seeing a guy speed past you in a beautiful sports car. You know, the wind is blowing in his hair and his toupee isn't even coming up. The Lord must be with him. He looks like he's having a great time. Music's blaring. And as he pulls up next to the light and you pull in right in front of you, 
you see this, this car and the tailpipe smoking a little bit, you know, and, and, and the windows are down because there's a problem with the AC and, 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 and he's got a pair of iPods or, uh, yeah, what, what are they called? Uh, ear, you know, the things he's got the earbuds in. Because there's a problem with the radio, because back in 1995, it ate a tape. <laughs> and you know, when, when that happens, there's just no going back. A cassette tape. Look it up. It's, it's true. There's something called a cassette tape. There's a bunch of kids back there that's like, what? I don't know. <laughs> you get a pencil and you wind it. Anyway, somebody say amen to that. <laughs> You see, we have this tendency to look and compare the two and, and think to ourselves, man, that guy that drove that nice car, he's made all the best decisions with his money, and God has blessed him because of it. And then we see that person that is, is kind of dr driving that car that looks like it needed to be traded in about 20 years ago, and we think to ourselves, that, that person hasn't made any good decisions with their money, and God is, is cursing him. But we have to come to an understanding as believers that, that, that we can't make those observations in reality of the spirit. That God's blessing and God's cursing doesn't always look that blatant and that obvious. As a matter of fact, we can know and we can be sure that if we don't place God as our priority, God as our central focus... That nothing else in our life is prioritized correctly. You see, treasure doesn't always equal God's blessing. Jesus says that the things that we value or identify with or, or make our identities is where, where our heart is. So if we think about it, whatever we treasure, that thing is the thing that we sacrifice to. We've sacrificed to get, we work for, we, we give up other things in our life so that we can get a hold of that thing or those things better. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 through 38, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with what? All your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. So God tells us that our priority, the thing that should take precedent in our lives, is to love God and to love others. But how many of you know it's sometimes easier to love God with all of our soul, with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with everything that we have? It's easier to do that than sometimes to love our neighbor as ourself. Don't you know that? Sometimes we feel like it's, it's the opposite, but the reality of it is, is sometimes it's just harder to love our neighbors than it is to love God because God has never let you down and your neighbor keeps on letting you down. Your family member keeps on letting you down. Your kids are annoying. Your, your work situation is frustrating. All these things that are going on in your life are difficult to weigh through. But God was never let you down. But re the reality is, is that God has called us to do both. Love him and love others. And the reason is, is that materialism 
as a subtle form of idolatry. When we begin to sacrifice all of these things in our life to gain the, the, the other things, then it pushes God off the pedestal of our heart and our life. And we begin to make sacrifices so that we can hold on to that instead of reaching out and holding on to God. But I want you to know this morning that there is a difference between the sacrifices that we make for the things of this world and the sacrifices that we made for Jesus. And let me show you what that means. When we sacrifice for the things of this world, perhaps you're going after a, a job or trying to get money or, or, or get a position and, and you're saying no to everything else in your life so that you can get a hold of that. You're saying no and you're pushing everything aside so you can grab a hold of this. There's, that is the only reward that you gain. But when we push everything aside to, gain a, to get a hold of Jesus, what you're doing is that the King of kings and the Lord of lords loved you so much that he sacrificed his life because he valued you. And as we sacrifice everything in our lives because we value him, we allow our hearts and our lives to spend eternity with the Father in heaven that will continually reward us. That reward doesn't ever go away. It just increases with our investment. But when we value these other things, like the Bible says, it's things that will fade away. It's stuff that wears out. It's like a kid at Christmas. About an hour after they open up the presents, they're playing inside the box instead of with the toy. What's wrong with you kids? But when we give our hearts and lives over to Christ, he's the one that sacrificed for us so that we could become sacrifices for him. Money and the eyes. As we continue Matthew chapter 6, what we find is this section of scripture that where a lot of people kind of, they, they read to and they read through and they start scratching their heads a little bit because it feels like Jesus paused his conversation about money to talk about what we look at. And it's just this interesting section of scripture. Let's read it. Your eye, Jesus says, is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness really is. It's easy to try to to read that and get a little bit confused about what Jesus is actually talking about here. And some scholars, and rightly so, they say, well, when you put your eyes on something and you allow your mind to fixate on something, then, then no matter what it is, it's, it can be bad for you. It, it, it makes a photographic impression on your heart. And it's true. One year I got my daughter, Claudia and I got our daughter a, a, a Polaroid camera for her birthday. It's so much different than a digital camera. We're so used to just snapping pictures. You can snap 120 pictures and you got 500,000 more to go. 
But with a Polaroid camera, you got to really think about what you can snap. And, 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 and whatever you snap, whatever you take a picture of, that's it. That's what it is. And, and there's no editing. And so you really have to think about it and be intentional. I remember when we got our daughter that Polaroid camera. She, she made it through a whole stack in like five minutes. And she's like, where's the rest of them? I was like, no, that's it. You got a counter right on top of that picture you, or that camera. You got to watch that. She didn't like that part of it. But what we look at makes an impression of our heart and it can gauge whether we're righteous or not by what we're putting in through our eyes. But there's something else. There's something else about the way Jesus is speaking. You see, in Jewish writing, early Jewish writing, there's a little play on words here. And whenever the Bible is saying what you, uh, what's an, uh, an unhealthy eye or a healthy eye is really a, a good eye or a bad eye. And, and whenever we read a, a good eye, in Jewish, early Jewish writings, it's talking about a generous person. When you see things and you have a, a generous heart about it. How many of you ever heard that your eyes are bigger than your stomach? That's right. And, and that's the kind of mindset that he's speaking from. When you look at things and you want to be generous with them, but bad eyes are people that don't have a generous spirit. They, they, they're stingy or they're greedy. And when we read that with that connotation, we find out something completely different. When your eye is healthy or you have a good eye, when you have a generous spirit, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, when you are greedy inside, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. He says that you think that you have a generous heart. You think that you like to give things away, but the reality is, is that you don't even know that you're greedy inside. You don't even know that you struggle with being stingy. You can't tell the difference between light and darkness inside of you. And when you can't tell that there's darkness like that inside of you, Man, you're, you're in a bad place. You're in a bad place. And we look at this and we find out that some people think that their greed is really generosity. I want to put it in perspective for us. Nobody ever accidentally committed adultery. Nobody, nobody ever just accidentally killed somebody. Well, that's probably not true. But anyway, you know what I'm saying? You know when you're dealing with sin in your life. But this is one area where Jesus says that you are blind to it. You can't even judge for yourself whether you're a greedy person, a stingy person, or you're actually generous. Why? Well, I gave in the offering today. That must mean that I'm a a generous person. When I walked out of the church, I, I put a check there. I, I put some cash there in the offering receptacles. I, I've donated to, to the Harvest Fest or, or, or I helped out a neighbor by buying them groceries. I must be a generous person. 
But the reality of it is that the, that the God of heaven can see your heart and knows your motivation. And many times we're blind to the fact that we are actually greedy or stingy in our lives because we think that you have to be wealthy in order to be greedy. But how many of you know that you can be poor and also be greedy? How many of you know that you can be rich and be stingy? You see, out of 18 years of full-time ministry, I've had so many people come into my office and talk to me and want counseling over many different temptations, many different sins. But can I tell you, in 18 years, nobody has ever come into my office and said, Pastor John, I need you to pray with me because I am struggling with the temptation of greed. I'm struggling because I'm so stingy. I've had spouses come (laughs) and ask me to pray for their spouse, but never them. Why? It's because we're blind to it, folks. And so the question is, who in your life would you be willing to trust if they came to you and they said, hey, I need to tell you something, that you're struggling with greed. Would you listen to them? Would you be receptive to that message? Would you, would you do your best to submit unto the Lord and to give him everything in your life and trust him with everything? Jesus continues on his conversation about money with dealing with our mind. See, the, this next section is the longest, so I want to just take it bit by bit. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24 says, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. You can't serve God and be enslaved to money. How do you know that you're enslaved to money? Is because you think about money or materialism And you use that to make your decisions in life. You trust money or you trust the things in your life. And you put your faith in it because because you feel like other people let you down, but your money or your things have never let you down. How do you know that you're a slave to money or to things? That's how you plan your future. How do you know that you're a slave to things? That you are more interested about your things or about your money than you are about the purpose and the plan that God has for your life. You see, we can't, we can't allow money to drive us and expect God to lead us. We can't sacrifice our lives on the altar of money and what it buys and also sacrifice our bodies unto God. We can't love money and love God with our our hearts, soul, mind, and strength. Money enslaves and God sets us free. Money drives and God guides. There's never enough money, but I want you to know that there's always enough of God. Our God is more than enough. So we're in a situation as believers where we have to learn how to let go of the things that we have and hold on to God. Just the other day, I took my kids to a trampoline park and, and I, took, I, I took the oldest three. So the 10-year-old, the 7-year-old, and the 2-year-old, he's going to be three in December. And I put that 
almost three-year-old on a little platform held up on a rope, and it just started swinging all over. And, and the goal was to, to reach out and hold on to the next platform and to take a little step over. I know this sounds really bad for a two-year-old, but it was very safe, I promise. Lots of foam, no different than what he does at home, okay? A little bit different. It's more dangerous at home. <laughs> he uses the coffee table and the couch. But there was this moment in his eyes where he realized that he couldn't get to the other side until he let go and jump from where he was. Friend, I, I have to tell you this this morning. You can't trust God and trust your money. You can't trust God and trust yourself. You have to be willing to let go of the things that are actually holding on to you and jump into the arms of Christ Jesus where he can help you and he can sustain you and he can provide all that you need. And so there's really no, no, um, uh, no doubt of why Jesus continued this conversation about money when he began to talk about things like anxiety. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, that is why he continues to talk about money. Remember, he's talking about money. He says, that is why I tell you, do not worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food or drink, enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? You see, God gave us life. That's a big thing. But why can't we trust God with the small things like providing those things for us? See, he's speaking. He's not, he's not telling us that we shouldn't make provisions for ourselves. He's speaking against the anxiety that keeps us from trusting God to provide it for us. Jesus continues, uh, verse 26, Look at the birds. They don't plan or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more uh, valuable to him than they are? Can you worry? Uh, can your worry add a single moment to your life? Wow, what a what an amazing question! And why worry about the, your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and the and how they grow. They don't work. Or make any clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory uh, was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into uh, the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Why do you have so little faith? We stop right there and we realize something. That our faith is linked to anxiety. And anxiety is linked to our lack of faith and materialism. Where we trust more in other things than we're actually trusting in Christ Jesus. So he continues and he says, so don't worry about these things saying, what will I eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all you need. How many of you are glad that he knows what we need even before we do? Don't worry. My little son, one years old, the other day he, he was getting close to dinner and he somehow got the pantry door open. And he brought me an onion and a bag of chips. 
and a handful of oatmeal. What am I supposed to do with this? He's telling me he's hungry. He's so scared. He's not going to get food. I, I told him, no, I had to put the stuff back. He cried and he cried and he cried. I picked him up. We put him in the high chair. Mom and I, mom had already determined what we we're going to eat for dinner. And we knew that it was going to be good for him. We knew he was going to like it. We knew he was going to eat it. So we set him in the high chair and his eyes were filled with tears. And we began to put that that dinner on his tray and he began to eat it. What would happen? What would happen if we gave him what he gave to us? An onion, a handful of dry oatmeal, and a bag of chips. That would have been good. But I think you and I, we do that too to, to the Lord. We get so scared about not having the things that we need that we, we try to offer to God the things that we think that we need. And we try to, we, we, we're not really trusting God. We're telling God what we need. And, and, and we're so worried about it that the anxiety drives us to do some, some silly things. And I wonder, congregation, I wonder what would happen if, if we really just trusted the Lord to provide for our needs. If we weren't driven by the anxiety, how many blessings do we forfeit? Because we didn't really truly trust the Lord to provide for the things that we need. Instead, Jesus finally says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, in the most simplistic way, we've talked about all the things that we shouldn't do with money. Don't let it affect our hearts. Don't let it affect our eyes. Don't let it affect our minds. And in one sentence, Jesus tells us what we should do. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. Who is the kingdom of God? What is the kingdom of God? Jesus Christ, our King of kings and Lord of lords and the people that serve him. Love God and love others. You must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all your mind. You must love your neighbor as yourself. See, it's people over possessions, relationships over things. It's kingdom over everything. As we learn to let go of all these things and press on to trust God for the things that we need, we'll discover that God, he knows what we need and he cares for us and he'll provide it for us. So in reality, the things that we hold on to so tightly are actually holding us and they're holding us down. As you and I, as we begin to let go of those things and begin to hold on to the hand that is holding on to us, you and I will discover the joy in God's provision. We'll discover that God knows how to provide for you and I better than what we know how to provide for ourselves. 
And I want so badly for all of us to discover that this morning. Would you stand with me all, all over this place? I want us to discover how wonderful our God is, how much he wants to provide for us. I want us to lay aside all of the weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us. I want us to be generous in our hearts. I want us to look more and more like Christ Jesus. So I've asked the Lord to, today to reveal in our hearts and our lives the things that, that we're holding on to. For some of you, it might be a job. For some of you, it might be money, it might be position or a title. For some of us, we might be living our, our lives to have stuff, to impress others or to feel more safe or secure. But friend, believer, God, he knows the motivation of your heart and your life. You can't fool him. And right now, the Holy Spirit's revealing it to you. So I want us all to do something very different today. In just a moment, we're going to offer it to him. Would you bow your head and you close your eyes with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you and I praise you, Lord Jesus, that you provide more than enough for us. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that even as we place our faith wrongfully in the things of this world, Lord Jesus, that you have grace on us and you allow us, Lord, to, to come back to you, to shift our focus back to you, to trust you with our future, to trust you with our finances, to trust you with our stuff. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that as we begin to let go of those things and we begin to hold on to you, Lord, that you would that you would somehow cause us to see the blessings in a whole different way. In Jesus' name. With your head still bowed and your eyes still closed, perhaps the Lord has laid something on your heart and your life as an opportunity to, to give everybody a sense of privacy this morning. I, I, I want you to remain with your eyes closed, your head bowed, but if, if God is laying something on your heart that you need to let go of and you need to give to him, would you just hold your hands out right now like you have a hold of it? Like you have a hold of it. Just hold your hands out. And on the count of three, I just want you to lift that up to him. Whatever it is, if it's a job, if it's a title, a position, a money, stuff, whatever that treasure is, would you just lift it to him this morning? One, lift it to him. Two, three, let's give it to him this morning. Heavenly Father, we love you and we praise you, Lord Jesus. Lord, right now as we make things right with you, you are making things right in us. Father, we give you the things that we've been holding on to, and we ask, God, that you take them away from us, Lord Jesus, so that we can boldly look into you, the one that sacrificed for us. Lord, I pray, God, that our faith would be strengthened, Lord, that we would be able to let go of everything and follow after you with our whole hearts, our whole minds, our whole strengths, and, and, and love our neighbors as ourselves.
Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your correction this morning. We thank you, Lord, for making it right. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. What I want more than anything this morning is for us to be a church that lives in freedom, that lives free from from the desire to gain the things of this world and, and free to chase after God, to experience the joy that comes with trusting in Him. Let's be a church that helps people find God, that gives hope, and that does life together. Bless you this morning.